0: I am always here for some puppets. So much fun. Will you all join me in prayer this morning? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, we have reached the final week in our sermon series. Now, if you missed any weeks, that's okay. You can catch up really quick. This sermon series is called... I'm sorry, what? The past three weeks, we have spent time looking at unsettling passages found in the Old Testament. We've learned about how United Methodists read scripture and what we believe about the Bible. We've also spent time just kind of sitting in the discomfort that comes when we read certain passages. Today, we are going to move into the New Testament. Now, a lot of people like to joke about this Old Testament God. Spoiler alert, God is God. I'd argue that we have just as many unsettling passages in the New Testament as are in the Old. They're a little more conceptual than concrete, But a lot of what Jesus teaches is difficult. Jesus himself had this unique way of challenging the world around him, often in a way that people, even his disciples, often didn't understand. Our gospel focus for this year is on Luke. You may remember throughout Advent, we read passages from Luke. During Lent, we will also be in the gospel of Luke, and we also have a few sermons series here and there all about Luke. So if you haven't made any plans this year to read the Bible, I'd encourage you to consider reading Luke because we're going to be talking about it a lot. And our unsettling passage today comes from the ninth chapter of Luke. Here, Jesus is well into his ministry. And he still has quite a bit of ministry still ahead of him. Some may say that this is right in the middle of his teachings. Let's look at verses 51 through 62. As the time approached when Jesus was to be taken up into heaven, he determined to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers on ahead of him. Along the way, they entered a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the Samaritan villagers refused to welcome Jesus because Jesus was determined to go to Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to consume this village? But Jesus turned, spoke sternly to them, and they went on to another village. Then it continues, as Jesus and his disciples traveled along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and the birds in the sky have nests, but the human one has no place to lay his head. Then Jesus said to someone else, Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to the man, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of God's kingdom. Someone else said to Jesus, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say goodbye to those in my house. Jesus said to him, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say thanks be to God. Did anyone find anything unsettling or difficult about this passage? You can nod. This can be sort of interactive. Or you could say, no, Stephanie, I totally get everything about the Bible. Okay, there is a lot there, and we are going to begin with unpacking that first bit of Scripture, that part where Jesus intends to travel through this Samaritan village. Now, this part of the story could be a really easy part to kind of overlook or assume it isn't that important, but Luke decides to include it. Luke intentionally has this story in the Gospel of Luke. Samaritans were originally Israelites. After King Solomon's rule in the Old Testament, Israel was broken into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the Israelites who stayed in the northern kingdom became known as the Samaritans. Over time, the Samaritans' religion fused with the cultural religions around them, and it became a mix of Judaism and paganism, according to scholars. It's believed that the Samaritans refused entry to Jesus, not because of the things Jesus was saying or because they doubted who he was. Instead, they didn't like that he was determined to go to Jerusalem. Some translations read that Jesus had his face set upon Jerusalem The Samaritans didn't see Jerusalem as a holy land, because it was in the southern kingdom. They had their own holy land. They didn't approve of Jesus suggesting that that was a holy place that he should go. And Jesus doesn't fight the villagers' refusal to let him in. Even when those disciples, those silly rascals, they suggest that Jesus should just set fire to the town, Jesus rebukes the disciples, not the Samaritans, and then Jesus and the disciples move on. Jesus doesn't seem to look down on the Samaritans, even when they refuse to allow him entry into their village. Jesus suggests to us that maybe they're not supposed to be painted as the bad guys. They're instead put in a difficult position and they make a decision. Then right after this, we get a seemingly separate account where Jesus encounters three different people and talks about what it takes to follow him. There will be no comfort or place to call home. There won't be time to bury the dead because the news of God's kingdom needs to spread and there won't be a place to say goodbye to loved ones. Sounds super lovely, doesn't it? Don't we all just want to do all of those things? The thing about this particular passage isn't that it's morally upsetting or that it makes us question how to—what we know to be true about God. It isn't that this passage is gory or emotional or that it's too deep. The unsettling part of this passage is that it's hard. It's difficult. Most of us probably like our creature comforts. We like having a home of our own. We like having a bed to snuggle in at night. We like knowing that we have a place to settle into. A person willingly comes to Jesus, approaches Jesus, ready to follow him. And Jesus replies, if they follow him, they'll be rejected. They won't have a home of their own to settle into. This is hard. Then Jesus calls out for another, a different person to follow him. And the man replies that he has to bury his father. The man doesn't say, hold on a second, I need to tie my shoe. Or hold on, I need to pet this dog this man has a real life experience that he has to take care of. He has a responsibility to carry through on. It's something burying the dead that was super important to the Jewish people and still is. A commentator I read suggested that maybe Jesus was trying to help free this man from the guilt he felt of having to take care of his father's remains to free him from the grief he was experiencing. Other commentators suggest that Jesus is doing what Jesus did, smashing the social and religious norms of the time. Yes, Jesus respects the culture, he is the epitome of their beliefs. And still, Jesus suggests that perhaps instead of living in the past, the people should look forward and spread the good news of the kingdom of God. This is hard. Finally, a third man says he will follow Jesus after he says goodbye to his family. And Jesus gives us that famous reply, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for God's kingdom. That's hard. It's also kind of harsh. It's really tempting to make all of these really pretty and to explain it all away, or to say, you know, that was relevant for the time it was written, but not really for us today. It's tempting to interpret these to mean something different than what we get at face value. But the truth is, you can't plow and look backwards. It's ridiculous, it's nonsensical, it's dangerous, it's inefficient, and that's difficult for us. Most of us want comfort. We want that time to mourn. We want the space to say goodbye. And yet, Jesus puts this weighty call on our hearts, a call to spread the news of God's kingdom. Jesus doesn't make space for the in between, which is really hard. It's kind of off putting, even. Some may say it's unsettling. John Wesley, the Sooner or later, I'm going to say John Wesley enough, and you all are going to automatically say the unintended founder of Methodism, because you know it's coming. John Wesley, the unintended founder of Methodism, had this idea called Christian perfection. He believed that followers of Christ could work toward perfection, which sounds questionable, right? Who are we to be perfect Isn't God the only perfect one? Isn't that whole Jesus' thing? At the risk of making a gross oversimplification, Wesley thought that through means of grace, we could be made perfect in love in our lifetime. Now, he didn't think that meant living a life without mistakes or slip-ups, but instead, even in those moments love would be the center of our focus, and that love would be our motivation for following Christ and loving others. It's a radical idea, working to love others here and now. That's the calling in this unsettling, difficult passage. The kingdom of God is available to all people in every place for all time, and following Jesus will be and is difficult. To love others the way Christ loved them is a daunting task. It isn't easy. The charge to give up your home, your loved ones, and to walk away from your duties is unsettling. Glennon Doyle is an author who, in one of her most recent books, wrote, We Can Do Hard Things. What does it look like for us to take on this difficult calling Jesus sets before us in this passage? What does it mean for us to do hard things in the world Our reading this morning is split into two clear sections, the rejection from the Samaritan village, and then the implications of following Jesus. But these verses are intertwined. These verses are essential to one another. When the disciples want to burn down the village, Jesus doesn't engage in an argument. Instead, Jesus speaks sternly to them, and off they go to another village. And in the very next chapter, in Luke 10, Jesus uses a Samaritan as the hero in one of the most well-known parables, the Good Samaritan. Friends, the Word of God is for all people. Not only the Jewish people, not only for us as Christians, not just for those Samaritans and the Gentiles, it's for you, it's for me, it's for the world. Following Jesus is for all people, but that doesn't mean it's easy. That doesn't mean it won't be hard. It takes self-reflection. It means letting love lead us. It means working toward Christian perfection and embracing the grace that God pours out to us. In just a few moments, we have the opportunity to partake in one of our most sacred acts, the act of holy communion, where we come to the table and we open ourselves up before Christ where we acknowledge our shortcomings, where we commit to do better, where we recognize our desire for comfort and ritual and relationships, and also the desire to follow Jesus. When we come to the table, Christ offers us a love that is bigger than ourselves, that is bigger than this community. We follow Jesus, when we realize that we can do hard things and that Christ's love guides us every step of the way. Will you pray with me?